Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Drexel Basketball Podcast. I'm Nate, and we got uh, Dan and Bill with us here this week. Um, and sorry, it took us a couple weeks. I think, uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but it was just nice to have March back. And I guess kind of reminded me how much I enjoy it and love it. Um, you know, I personally, I've been following a bunch of teams, whether it's, of course, Drexel, which we're going to focus on, but even women's tournament and local high school basketball. It's just been nice to have a, a March that, you know, feels you know, pretty much back to what we're used to. So, and I probably enjoy it more because we lost it, you know, definitely two years ago. And then even last year was streamed. So um, good to have it back, even if it didn't necessarily end the way we wanted it to, um, you know, and, and really for both uh, men's and women's programs. But, um, but I'm going to start, uh, just go through the women. Um, you know, I, I think there's a thing about it. I mean, it had about, I of course, wanted them to go to the tournament. I don't think it had a horrible end. Um, but um, overall, it was a, a wonderful season by the women's basketball program. Uh, they finished 20 and six, lost last night in the third round of the WNIT. And um, hard fought game, a game when they went up nine in the fourth quarter, I was like, we're home. You know what I mean? They're going to go another round and uh, fortunately um, succumb to the press from Seton Hall. But that was a Seton Hall team that they're the only team to beat Villanova uh, outside of UConn. In the last number of months, so that was a good Seton Hall team. Um, I think I think they made the Big East semifinals. Um, so a good basketball team. So um, it was nice to see that after playing a couple of kind of sleepy games, it was nice to see the women's team uh, go out with a good performance. I thought they played well overall. So nothing for anybody to hang their heads about. Um, just got beat by a better team in better circumstances. So um, so overall, wonderful season by the women's team. Really. Appreciated, you know, and, and kind of a personal thing is just our family had a great time following them. Um, you know, despite the loss to Delaware uh, in the championship game, we had a great time at the tournament. I thought it was really well run by Drexel. We went to all, every game except the playing game. Um, but my daughter, who is deciding to hammer on anything right, everything right now, which I'll tell her to stop here in a second. Claire, Claire, knock it off. Okay. Sorry, I had to do that. I, this is going to make too much noise. Um, but, but she's not interested in the St. Peter's Purdue game, I guess. I turned off the, some cake bakery thing or something. Um, but anyway, I'll deal with that in a second. Um, but by the way, we had a great time at the tournament. Kids sat through all the games except that playing game. And it, I, I gotta tell you too, they, they, the other thing, the women's team this year has me interested in women's basketball period. Like I'm almost excited. I think Stanford plays. Maryland tonight, so I might tape it and watch tomorrow. And there's a really nice slate of women's games tomorrow too. So, um, really got us in, interested in women's basketball. So, looking forward to next year already. And um, again, congratulations to everything that they accomplished this season. So, um, but I want to talk about uh, as well uh, the men's team. So, uh, and again, yeah, sorry we're a little behind, but you know, again, between you know some of us weddings and trying to get out and follow the games and trying to have a, a good march, uh, just took us a bit to get together to talk about it. So um, down in D.C., and it feels like years ago, but it was a few weeks ago, um, so we lost our first round game to Delaware, uh, who ended up being the uh, CA champions, and then, um, of course, went to the NCAA tournament. They were competitive in Villanova for about you know, what, 10 minutes or so, and then it kind of got away. But um, so just we want to toss it to you guys. Uh, so I, I guess, you know, trying to refresh our memories about that game, but um, any takeaways you had from that, overall thoughts you had of that game down there in D.C.? I mean, Cam Winter brought his A game, I think. <laughs> he had 28. Um, he just – uh, it seemed like at one point he went on his own little personal run to get us in the game, but just no one else could seem to find it. I mean, Coltrane, I think, contributed a little bit more than he usually does, but nothing spectacular. But um, the rest of the team, I don't think we had a single other double-digit score in that game outside of Cam. So, you know, just uh, a little bit of a disappointing effort there. I mean, the, one of the biggest factors, though, I think, was the Amari Williams getting in foul trouble. I think that changed the course of the game for us, really not having him in there defensively and, you know, offensively in the post too, uh, really had a negative impact on the team. And a couple of those fouls that he picked up were like illegal screens. It wasn't even like it was, you know, a- aggressive uh, attempted blocks or something. It was Two of them I, I'm pretty sure were on illegal screens, which is just, I don't know, 
seemed like poor officiating to me, but maybe they were. Yeah, I'm glad you said it. I thought Amari got a real bad whistle. It almost felt like they were out for him. Um, and I don't know, you know, sometimes a coach can get in the ear, hey, look at this kid doing this. But he also looked a step slow to me. To be honest with you, even when he was on the floor, you know, he wasn't he wasn't getting the spot. I mean, I I, I just – he didn't look like the Amari that we know he could be. And, and it's uh, it's his first real tournament experience. And, and, and uh, you know, obviously he backed up JB last year, but he didn't get a ton of minutes. Um, it kind of looked like it because the game didn't come to him. Um, and, and that was unfortunate. Uh, Malik Martin is a guy. I actually thought the effort was there. He had ten rebounds. Like Malik Martin, I thought he had it was, he had a high motor, but just he was there was just nothing there on the offensive end. And, and obviously, uh, this is not a team that you would expect to shoot seventeen percent from three. Uh, I, I would agree. Zach Spiker said in the post game, most of those were good looks. Um, I think late when they got a little bit desperate, less so, but most of those were good looks. Um, section of Cam, Cam he checked a little bit, um, but you know Cam was doing enough other stuff that. He didn't mind him heat checking every once in a while. Um, but I, I thought some some tough decisions late. Like the amazing thing is they weren't out of the game. I thought I thought nobody played particularly well and Delaware let him hang. Like Delaware, I know they went on to win the but they they weren't good in this game to me. To my eyes, they were not good. Sixty one percent from the line. Uh, they left the door open time and they time. They tried again. really hard, yeah, to lose the game. We weren't good enough to take advantage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And which was stunning to me because our team's the Drexel's actually been a team that did take advantage for most of this year. It just I'm with you, Bill. Cam Winter showed up, and 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 I actually thought JB didn't look bad uh, in his minutes, but you know he wasn't. His teammates almost seemed like they got used to Amari and and uh, getting that help and and um, give some credit to uh, Kevin Anderson's a guy I've had a lot of fun with during his career, but he, he played pretty well. And um, Jair Davis is the real deal. That's a scary guy for the rest of the conference. So um, you know, a little luck he'll transfer or something, but. Um. Yeah, it, it it was a it was a tough one. It was it was absolutely a tough one down there. I will say this: the other flip side, Cam Winter plays like that all season long. They're not a five seed, or they're not a four seed. You know, you got you got the Cam Winter you knew was in there. He was playing like he wanted to keep playing college basketball, and, and I don't feel like he spent most of the season doing that. Um. So it was great to see what he's capable of. Uh, maybe a little bit of an exhibition for the next level, knowing what we know now. But um. You know, I, I was kind of almost bummed seeing it because I was like, "There's, where's this Ben? Where's this Ben Cam? Because um, he did. He had a killer instinct in this game. Um, yeah, one to forget. One to forget, a tournament to forget. Um, Delaware does go on and win the tournament, so it's not like you lost to nobody, but um, just an unfortunate time. Yeah, I guess I, I, I had lost track of Delaware, I guess, but Jair Davis really makes a huge difference. Like when I heard he was rookie of the year, I was like, well, why don't I know more about him? And um, and then Andrew Carr, I thought, played well. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's you know, there's so many games, I, I guess, in the tournament time too. Like, you know, guys are tired and you've been playing basketball for a long time. So, some of you just have to kind of gut out wins and win, win, win games kind of, you know, to use the term like dirty, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to hit those, you know, maybe run the perfect play and pick and roll and dunks and, you know, shoot the ball well. So you got to get those dirty, you know, just it's like hockey, you know, you, you dump the puck on net and try to get a rebound or something. So put the ball on the, on the, on the basket and try to get a rebound. And I think I said that Saturday morning, I was like, I didn't think the Delaware interior game was good enough, um, but it was down there. And, and like you said, Amari, it, it's one of those deals these days watching, I guess, any level of sports, you're like, what's going on? And I know, yeah, you maybe got some bad raps for the calls, but he just – it was like I think one of our first possessions, we dumped it right into him, and he didn't take a particularly good shot, if I remember right. And then we didn't go back to him. And I saw that first possession, we're like, great, we're going to work inside out. And then we stopped right away. And I don't know if he got frustrated, but even just on the bench, he was kind of – Everyone else is kind of leaning forward, and he's back there kind of, you know, lounging on the bench. And I don't, I, I don't know what was going on, but – um, but yeah, it's definitely officiating was one thing, but it, something felt like was not quite right there. So, um, but again, credit Delaware, like he says, that was, I, I know I, and it's, it's just, it's sad now thinking back, that was such an ugly first half, but yeah, you look at that scoreboard and like, wow, we're really not that far out of it. And, um, cause yeah, Delaware didn't play their best either, but they survived. And then that gave them the opportunity to go to the next day and then tell, you know, you watch that Towson game and. You know, both of their big men, Thompson and Holden, get hurt, and you're and you're sitting there 
after that Towson game when they almost lost to Northeastern. Like, man, whoever wins the Delaware, the Drexel Delaware games, they got a chance to go to the final. And things fell into place for Delaware, and you got to give them credit ultimately. So, yeah, I mean, it turns out it looks like UNCW is the best team they faced at the time, right? Because Towson was banged up, and UNCW went into the CBI and won it all. And um, see, they were not a mirage this year. I, them would, I, I, the biggest game of the tournament to me was actually um, Dub over Hofstra. That was still the most impressive. Or sorry, Hofstra, Hofstra lost to what Charleston. And that was that was a uh, that was the biggest upset by far to me. I mean, I, I obviously had after winning, but I was stunned a group of senior guards like that kind of let things go through the cracks and and um, or upperclassmen guards. So, yeah. Um, the, the other thing that struck me as a fan, right? Um, we get told over and over again by whoever's coaching, whatever school you're talking to, you're not in practice. You don't see what's going on back there. You're not in practice. You don't know who play. And and um, and that's why Chris Fouch, Bill Martin. To be on the bench. I know this is one of his favorite things, so I, I went there. But, um, like, you see Amari, who wasn't going to start this year if JB doesn't get hurt. You see Jair Davis, who wasn't going to start this year if Dillard Painter doesn't get hurt. You, you, you see Coltrane Washington, who wasn't going to get minutes this year like he did unless uh, Matei goes down. And you're like, I don't – I'm not I'm not an X's and O's expert, and I'm not even a talent expert, but, like, Clearly, they, these guys all played, were given the opportunity to play, and they were successful, and they kept their jobs once they were in them. And it's like, our, what preconceived notion, like how our starting lineups defined, how I, I, I'm just baffled by what these coaches see, where all of a sudden when these guys actually start playing on the floor, well, not now, okay, now they can play, actually. You know, now they're actually going to keep the job over the guy coming back. You know, uh, why didn't they get those chance before? Why did none of those guys get a chance before that? Right, and it just makes me think about. Um, sometimes I think what you see as a fan, what you see in game day, does matter more than what happens in practice. Um, and, and sometimes you just question, you know, what I think there is a level uh, within coaches, and it's not an ego thing per se. Although all coaches have ego because you have to um, to to lead people, I think. Um, but you know, they make this decision and they kind of stand by it. And it's so hard to, to get into the starting lineup once once it's established. And and uh, if, if there's anything learning experience, I think, from these two coaches, who are both pretty good coaches and these two programs have been very similar trajectory, it, it, it's uh, it's kind of – I think there needs to be some more room for openness and, and, and thought on, and flexibility. You know, and I hope I hope both coaches, Inglesby and Spiker, take something from it because um, – it's as an outsider who doesn't see practice every day. It's weird to be like, so you see practice every day, and you see Jair Davis, and you see Andrew Carr, and you think Andrew Carr should start. Okay, okay, you see practice every fine, but like, I saw like five games, and it's pretty clear to me, <laughs> right? And 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 uh, the the thought process and how you get there as a as a as a coach, I'd be really uh, I'd be interested to hear. I just I just I don't know. But it's one of those things that's been really sticking with me because so many guys came off the bench and then kept their roles this year. Um, and I, I just – why weren't they given an opportunity before that? Uh, it's just kind of sticking with me. It's one of those things that's going to stick with me for years to come. I mean, as far as like Amari versus Butler goes, I, I get that more than Coltrane kind of because Butler is so entrenched here for you know three, four years, however long he's been, <laughs> however long he's been here forever, um, that – I just don't think you make that move unless something drastic happens. So until you put Amari in the game with an opportunity like he had because Butler went down, then you don't really know that he can carry that load like he did. And it was just a, a huge change once he came in, I mean, defensively especially. And I love Butler too, but he just can't provide the defensive rim protection that um, Amari does. Coltrane to me looked like, he wasn't going to get it like barely any PT at all until Okros went down, which to me didn't make any sense. I was kind of, I, I wanted him to get more PT from the beginning of the season. Um, I, I think he's a good shooter. And he also, as far as the shooters we have, he seems to be the quickest trigger, which I think we lack a little bit with like Okros and Odin, even um, those guys pretty much only take wide open shots. I think, I mean, the, the amount of, 
defended three-point shots I remember them taking this season is very limited and it would be with a hand in their face. So I think Coltrane at least can attempt to get a shot up with the shot clock running down um, or go get his own bucket once in a while. So I'm not sure why he wasn't getting more PT. That one I'm, I'm pretty confused on, Dan, too. So it would be nice to hear like some sort of reasoning on that at least or yeah, was was he not a great player in practice, but all of a sudden showed up once he was given the opportunity? Like, and maybe that's it too. Maybe it really is guys who just are used to being backups and not given the shot, and then you well, know they excel once they get it. Didn't um, didn't Spiker say something last year? Like Coltrane looked unguardable in practice at times, or something, or was that the year before? I don't even remember. He said it at some point. He did say it at some point. Now he likes to he likes to prop up some of the guys that are further down in the depth chart sometimes, you know. But um, yeah, no, you're right. I'd actually forgotten about that, but that was definitely said. Yeah, so I, that's why I was even more confused. Like, what? Why is this guy not playing more? And I, I don't think Coltrane's, you know, a superstar, but he's a nice rotational player who can shoot, and, and he actually played really well defensively this year. Like, I, I don't. Know if that I was the big growth for me. Yeah, like he, like he looked suspect on defense. I feel like his first uh, couple years, and this year he looked like he was actually. That was one of his strengths. I thought was his his, his defense. He was one of the better defenders on the team. Yeah, I, I will say that's a handicap. One of the be- one of the better guard defenders on the Zach Spiker team, you know, t- there's a there's a there's a tallest small person, um, you know, corollary here somewhere. But it's still taking um, give guys. Yeah, minutes. right. No, he was it was a it was a plus defender relative to who was out there. <clears throat> no question to me. Um, we'll get to some of the moving pieces later on, but um, yeah, I, I, I that thought in particular is going to stick with us. So we'll, we'll bring it back later on. I'm just thinking you said about, you know, why do certain people play? I mean, and maybe we're not at practice, so we don't see what's going on. I guess even more so, like, the meetings where the coaches have these discussions. And as we'll talk about later with transfers and everything, you know, how much does that factor in? Like, are they worried a certain kid is going to leave? Like, what are the other sort of things going on behind the scenes? You know, who's going you know, to get a different attitude issue? Is there great? Who knows? You know I mean, I guess that's one thing to think of. And I guess, I mean, Jory or Davis, he's a freshman, right? If, if I'm so, so in some sense, they may not have really known right away what was going on with him. Um, and, and then just the more he was around and they played him, they're like, well, okay, yeah, this kid can play. Um, and I think you guys touch on it too. With I, I always feel like in programs, certain kids get certain reputations. And like with Butler, he's almost like a legacy type player around here. So you almost felt like you just couldn't sit him, you know what I mean? Even if he was really not performing well. And, well, this would be a good opportunity, and we'll maybe get into this later too. And and Cam, I've talked about this too. A great player for us. I hate saying anything bad about him. I almost feel like I you can't say anything bad about him because again, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. I'll just say, in relation yeah. to this game, it was a great example. What he scored twenty eight points, um, but did we win the game? Yeah, I mean, now you could argue he kept us in the game. Like we would have totally got blown out, but then again. We didn't win the game. So he, and I, I feel like, and again, you could sit there and blame maybe he hasn't had the talent around him, but you know, then again, you know, I, I guess I don't want to say he scored a lot of inconsequential points, but you know, I just, you know, I think and I'm just going to use the example of Keyshawn and Washington in, in the game against Bucknell. I mean, sucked the whole game and then decided she was going to go to the rim and brought us back from 17 down almost single-handedly and won the game. That's the Toronto Washington game. That's what I keep saying. Like that, that is her signature game. Um, what game did Cam have like that? You know what I mean? Like he's had great games, but correct me if I'm wrong. What's, what's the Cam winner game? And I was kind of sitting there. I'm like, that could have been that Delaware game. And again, you hate to say that a guy that scored 28 points, but then again, you know, so and I'm not saying there was anybody behind him that's better that could have played. Um, but I'm just using it as an example of, you know, it's like certain guys with certain reputations and you, they just can't overcome it. So, Yeah, you almost go back to when Cam was younger. Freshman, sophomore, he had a couple games like that, I feel like. I remember uh, talking to Zach Spiker after one of them and, and him saying he's going to have a triple-double before he graduates. And that never came to fruition. He got close a couple of times, I guess. But, um, I mean, not, not super close, but um, – you know, something like a, you know, a, a, probably a 15, six and six is out there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it almost, listen, this just, this was, um, this was a tough year for him. He just, it didn't look like it was all there um, on the court. Um, 
the three-point shooting dropped a little bit, actually significant amount. And I thought some of that was the defense. He was forced to take a lot of his threes were from further behind the line this year. Um, you know, and some of them were, were not, he was some of them, a lot, a lot more of them felt forced this year, put it that way. Um, so some of that is, is, is kind of, you know, preseason player of the year comes with a different mentality as far as how defenses get up against you and, and, and everything else. So, um, there's that I, the assist rate was still pretty good. Like he was a good teammate, a good, good passer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't fault him at all for this game. Put it this way. I, I think this is the one game. I, it's not, it's not the Cam Winter game because ultimately you got to win that one. But this was, you know, kind of Cam Winter's game um, in, in the sense that he, he was the guy. There was no question. There was 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the second half where you knew nobody else was taking a shot. And that's, uh, I mean, uh, that's, that's uh, pretty telling. I mean, he, he had a well of a game. It just, and I hear you. I hear you, Nate, in that. Was it meaningful? I think in this game it was. It's what kept them alive. It was kept, kept their whole season alive. You know, he was single-handedly keeping them on the ventilator. So um, there were – I'm with you. There were some empty points throughout the season. To me, this game wasn't one of those. I mean, if, if Cam scores 15 in this game, we get, we're blown out. I mean, it's not even a it's not even a contest if he scores on his average rather than 28. I mean, you need support. I mean, Cam had a little bit of a down year, but, I mean, the man is still first-team all-conference. Um, so that's a pretty good down year. And I agree that it's a little bit of a down year for him. But, um, I mean, I, I think more than than Cam's points being inco- inconsequential, it's more to me that he never really had a, another guard next to him who was consistently a huge scoring threat. Like, he doesn't have anyone. Uh, I, I think throughout his career, I don't think there's really been another guy I can think of that's just been that another dominant guard. Um, I mean, Franz had Fouch and Damien. I mean, that's a, that's a significant upgrade from any, anyone we've had. That's not even close. I mean, Xavier Bell is a good guard, but, you know, one game he scores seven, and the next game he scores, well, he had one game of 30. You know, one will be 15, one will be six. So it's not like he was consistently putting up numbers that would be huge. And then our other shooters, there's just, it's just basically a bunch of guys who can shoot, but don't rarely ever take over a game. I mean, Okros hasn't taken over a game in a while. Uh, I mean, I think he get, he'll get hot once in a while, hit like four or five threes or something, but there's just no one else really that scares you. Uh, and I think even losing Zach Walton, who ended up launching up a bunch of like buzzer beating shots last year, because <laughs> uh, he was able to get his own shot. I think Cam kind of had to take those shots this year and maybe didn't hit them at a, a high enough rate, uh, which probably brought some of his percentages down as well. But um, I just don't feel he got enough support from the guards. I mean, Amari's great. Uh, you know, Butler had a little bit of a down season too because he was hurt. But I, I just don't feel like Cam over his entire career hasn't had that like running mate to take some of the pressure off him. And, and to your point, I, I thought Zach Walton last year was, was, the, was the guy that nobody talked about. Who who had a really sneaky good year and 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 we probably missed him. I think we actually missed him more than TJ this year. Uh, and 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 that's a guy who up until his his senior year, Zach Walton drove me nuts. He was the number one guy I didn't want to see with the ball because he was just it was so amazingly inconsistent. But he put it together in his senior year there and and, and had a really nice year and, and and just a bunch of clutch baskets late in the season. To your point, Bill and and um, yeah, who was that guy with Cam this year? There wasn't one. The only guy with the ability to do it was Xavier Bell. And, and quite frankly, you look at the games that the, this team lost, and, and with the exception of the one at Hofstra, you know, Xavier really came up small. And, we'll, again, we will get to that. But, um, you know, it felt to me like any time we were losing, you know, at UNCW, um, you know, this game, we look, you know, you look at turnovers, you look at shooting stats, and, and both Xavier and Cam were usually – you know, those were the guys that were, were taken taken care of, and 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 without those two mixing the drink, if you will, um, this team had a tough time going. Um, and and um, here Cam had a great game, but X seven points on eight shots and a turnover, no assist, so really a, a fairly underwhelming line. Um, well, just to make one last point, I guess on this stuff too, and and you mentioned, um, you know. What did Spike or Ingles be learned from this? I I always like to listen 
I, I was out running those two nights, listening to the games on on radio. So I listen to I like the UNCW broadcast. I like the intro and the music they play. It's like kind of like a smooth jazz. So I really like it. But then I listen to the Delaware broadcast, the end of the um, the semifinal game against Towson, and you know they talked to Ingles. Me, it was interesting. He he said one he wasn't sure about what level of toughness they would bring down to Washington. And I thought that was interesting because that's a conversation that we've had about our team. And then he said the same thing about consistency and would they be able to put everything together? And I, I'd be curious, you know, what he thinks, you know, helped them because we all said they're a talented team, you know, but where can they, why weren't they achieving the way that they should have been? And obviously they, you know, it was interesting a matchup of two teams that, you know, I guess we kind of settled out about where we were expected, but, um, but definitely Delaware underachieved, um, but two teams that you felt just couldn't break one way or another. Delaware figured it out. We didn't. So, yeah, you're curious what, what they were able to put together that we couldn't. And in a sense, we did last year, you know, like you said, with Walton playing well. And so maybe we kind of traded seasons of just finding the right combination at the right time. But it's interesting hearing, you know, Ingles, we talked about with Delaware, the same things we talked about all year. So. Anyway, um, anything else you guys have to add about, um, not just us, but I'd say the tournament in general, any thoughts you had? You got to uh, Ben's Chili Bowl? Yeah, we did. Yeah. That, yeah. No, and, yeah, we, and like I said, we've learned well, you know, even if uh, we prepare for um, the alternatives if we lose. And I think we, we were walking out of the game Sunday, which by, I guess I just want to – I agree with you. I know what you said. Really, I thought a really nice venue and – easy to get to from the Metro. And that's why you kind of felt bad. We weren't going back the next day because um, it seems like it's the right size. Um, I mean, it concourse, it's one of those, it's only like part of the way around that you can walk around in the concourse. Um, but it, it's, it's a nice arena. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're leaving. And, and I was like, I don't really know. You know what do we do? On my, I was off. I took time off work and my wife's like, no, let's just stick with the plan. We went down to the space museum the one that's uh, out near the airport had a really good time. So, um, so Bill, I don't know how you, so I saw you down there. I don't know how you spent the rest of the weekend, but um, yeah, it was, we had a good time. And I, I think, you know, I think it's a good setting for that. I know there's debate about we should go back to conference or uh, campus settings. I mean, that's maybe a discussion for another day, but at least we had a good time down there. So I really like in DC too. Like you said, the arena is really nice. Um, and there's just a lot to do in DC. I stayed down until Tuesday, honestly, uh, just brought, uh, you know, the, the family down and, uh, hung out there and walked around the monuments and did the, you know, usual DC stuff, enjoyed some food out. It was beautiful weather. So it was actually a really good weekend, uh, despite the loss. But yeah, I would, I'd like to stay in DC. I mean, if it moves, it moves, but uh, I'll end up going wherever it, wherever it goes to. But, um, it's been nice in DC. It's an easy drive. It's a, it's a good town, so I, I like it all overall. Interesting. I've heard about. I mean, I think that I think it was what twenty dollars for Sunday. I didn't think that was bad, but I heard stuff about was it like forty dollars for the championship? Does that sound right? That sounded a little expensive. So I I don't know. I didn't. I don't know for sure, but I heard somewhere. But either way, um, aside from that, I, that was a good place. So, but no, hopefully. Next year, you know, we, I don't know what our plans are going to be. If we'll stay down there the whole weekend, too, or not. That's what we plan to do. But hopefully get everybody back together and have a good time next year, too. So, Do we know what's there next year? I actually I forgot. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, I assume. Okay. But um, I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, so I guess the other thing we want to talk about is, you know, and, and I'll let you guys know, Dan, you're up on this, but there's been a lot of movement in the roster, you know, especially even in the last week. So did you kind of want to go over what's changed and what your thoughts are as far as that goes? Probably easier to start with uh, who's still here. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Matei Okrus is still here. Amari Williams is still here. Lamar Odin is still here. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I think Luke House is still here. Uh, and Terrence Butler, as far as I know, if he was here in the begin in the first place, I think is still here. Uh, and that's the roster as I know it. Uh, train, train is still here, is my understanding. I've not heard of he's not going to the portal. He still has eligibility. So my, I last I heard he was making a decision. 
Uh, he was still uh, still TBD, but I believe I thought he was leaning towards coming back. Um, so um, certainly there'll be opportunity for him. Although it's funny if the only guys that come back are kind of long shooters. It's, it's going to be Train, Akrus, and um, and and, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, Odin. Odin. Who? Uh, well, we can all can we all agree he's a three? Can somebody send a letter to the coaching staff saying he's a three? Unless, um, unless Spiker just likes playing three wings instead of a four, I mean, maybe he does, but I mean, he's not a stretch four, right? I mean, he's, he's no. just not. He can't go near the. Yeah, he, he actually, I, I won't say that he's gotten inside a couple of times. He's getting some nice plays and transition and dunks and stuff. So it's like he has the ability to play, probably, but he's not. It's not what he wants to do. He wants to shoot, um, and that's kind of what they ask in that position, anyways. That corner three, um, but you know, if you look at your stereotypical four, like an Ali Hamdamir, I think is what they really envision from that position. Like he's not that guy. He's not close to that guy. Um, so anyway, we have basically three guys who can play the three. Coltrane can play a little two, coming back, and and um, and not a lot else um, with respect to the others. Terrence Butler and um, looking forward to seeing him. And obviously Amari. Amari's the big piece coming back. He's the he's the franchise right now, as it were. Um, so how do you fill in around? How do you spend the summer helping him develop? Um, Rob Battle, Rob Battle, Rob Battle, Rob Battle. That's, an, that's tough, right? Like that's a tough conversation to have with a staff where I, I, I would hope that they would want Rob's experience, an 18-year professional, that's nothing to sneeze at, uh, and somebody who's been through the system and been through West Philadelphia and, and can teach the guy. But, you know, you don't want to – Paul Fortier has done a good job developing talent. And, and um, you know, J.B., Became quite a, quite a good player, and 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 what he's done with Amari so far clearly seems to be very effective. So you don't want to, you know. Sometimes it's tough to have too many voices, too many cooks in the kitchen. I, I get it if they if they if they want to keep it in house, but I'd love to see them give Rob or or, or a certain Malik an opportunity to uh, step in there with a guy who has, you know, as as Rob said, uh, Robert said, a uh, uh, NBA level ceiling. So um, you know, we'll see how he develops, but obviously that's going to be critical, and then. Um, Bill Martin, you're going to be give me the names at least of the three incoming freshmen that have signed letters of intent. Yeah, uh, I can if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Justin Moore is a point guard, so he can. Uh, he'll probably. I mean, right now he's the only point guard on the roster, right? Uh, or not on the roster yet, but will be the only point guard on the roster unless we make some pickups. Uh, Shane Blakeney's like kind of a, di- a dynamic too. Maybe he can run a little bit point. Uh, if needed, backup wise, I wouldn't want to. I don't think I want to run a full season with him at, at point. But if he's the backup, it's not too bad. And then Kobe McGee is uh, another wing, two, three. That's good because we were short on wings. Um, so listen, I, I look forward to, to seeing Kobe. He sounds like he's uh, he, he can shoot the ball pretty well and he can be effective. Uh, you know, I, actually, I, I kind of hope he's got he can move a little bit better than the guys we have on the roster right now. Because I think that's the big. This roster has lacked speed for years now. Um, Ex Tremaine Isabel, <laughs> um, and and I think it's one of the things that he's kind of glaring on the defensive end to me. Um, transition a little less so, but you know it's not a fast team. Um, so I'm hoping they bring in some guys who can get to the rim because we'll be missing that without Xavier. You know, if you think about that, I mean the guys who got to the rim last year is really Xavier Bell, Xavier Bell, and Xavier Bell. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing we're going to miss from him, from him not being here. And and obviously you know Cam's skill set is um, was unique and and, and very very. Very, very good. So um, a lot to replace. I think you've got great opportunities there. And when you have a bunch of shooters who can spread the floor and a big, big man who can who's a defensive player of the year and can score it, um, you know, it's a pretty it's a pretty nice situation. I, I liken it a little bit if I was, say, Zach Spiker trying to sell a guy to, to Tom Brady going to the Bucks and having Mike Evans and, and the whole receiving crew down there and, and, a, and, a, and a good offensive line and, you know, getting to pick your situation, right? If I was an incoming point guard and I got to, to pick my situation, you give me a, a, an elite big man and a bunch of shooters, and, and that's, that's not a bad way for a, for a point guard to step in and, and, and pick things up. It's, it's very forgiving. Um, so let's talk a moment, I guess, on who left. Um, Cam Winters obviously entered the portal, which surprised me. I thought he would go pro. Um, and, it, uh, um, I, you know, I, I had the courtesy of a heads up on that, which was nice, but I, 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 I'm still stunned um, uh, that, that he is opting to go collegiate. He's very, very close with Tyson Walker, who obviously 
had a very successful season at Michigan State. And I wonder, you know, you, you do wonder if, if, you know, he's thinking if the grass is greener. I wonder if Ty Walker will come back to Michigan State. I don't know if he's said yes or no yet. Um, the the biggest other name, I guess, that just hit the portal this week is Xavier Bell, right? Um, didn't see that one coming. I, I, I've talked about this on Twitter, but for me, um, TJ Bickerstaff – was a guy I totally understood leaving. I, I I don't I think that I I think that there's some folks who weren't very happy with me saying it publicly, but that I I thought TJ was okay to leave because this system did not fit him. Uh, he could have been more effective in other systems. Now I don't know if BC was the choice, but um, it would have been my choice if I was him. But um, I just didn't think this is they wanted him again as a four to be you know help spread the floor. And that's not TJ's game. Um, the funny thing is, now with Amari, the two of them defensively would have been amazing to watch. Um, but with JB, it didn't make as much sense. So I get I get why he left. And, and um, I wish him all the well. And I wish anybody who's played here all the well. Um, but Xavier, this system fit him. This system fit him. I mean, it was just a two who can kind of break things down and get to the rim a little bit and can do that because the floor is spread, has a decent shooting hand. Um, he's better off the ball. I thought, quite frankly, on the ball against pressure, he didn't look very good. And and this is where where I come at it a little bit, which is um, wasn't great in the trees this year against bigger teams finishing at the rim and doesn't have the handle, in my opinion, to play the point at a high major level. So it, if he's a two at a P5 pro, at a power five program, like I – I don't know that he's going to be particularly successful. Um, I, and I think that's where he wants to go. Um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up with a high major. And I, I quite frankly, I'm sure he's going to go somewhere that'll start him, but I, I'd be, you know, I'd be surprised to see uh, his, his efficiency go up, put it that way at that level, just based off of what I've seen from him to date. And that's not saying he's not a guy who can grow. He seems to work his butt off. He seems to get better every game. We saw his games against Hofstra, what he can do against, you know, pretty good guards. So I'm not, this is not a knock on him or his ability. I just think that this system was really good for him. This level felt appropriate for him. I think he could have been an all-league guy here, which I don't see happening in a Power 5 conference. Um, again, prove me wrong. That's fine. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for him. But to me, this one doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree with you, Dan. I mean, Cam to me has nothing more to prove here. I mean, I think he's done about all he can do. We got to stay in, say, tournament. Rookie of the year, two team, two times first team all all CAA. I mean, he's he's holds he's like top ten or top five and or top three in assists and top six in scoring. I mean, he can't really do too much here that would that would surprise you. I mean, so I don't. I'm not. I wasn't even anticipating him to come back either. So I'm not. That one doesn't hurt that much. Like I thought he was gone anyway. This extra COVID year is just a fluky thing, and he's gonna have an opportunity to maybe go experience, uh, you know, a big college environment. I can't blame the kid for that. Um, Xavier Bell, I think you're right. Like, he was primed to be the go-to guard next year now that Cam is gone. Um, it's going to be you. You could be an all-league type of a guard. Um, but, yeah, going to a major conference, I don't know. He's not a point guard. Like you said, his handle's not good enough unless he really develops that. I mean, he, he's not there. I was actually, it's one of the reasons why I didn't have him rated higher coming in uh, to Drexel even because I didn't think he was a point guard. He's he's an undersized shooting guard um, whose best feature really is, his, is like his post-up game or his back down game. I don't even know. What, it's a very unique way to play for a, for a two guard to begin with. And um, it did work really well uh, some games. Other games, they kind of, you know, force him to get rid of the ball. But I I think it is a mistake for him to leave. I think the only, well, let me put it this way. I, I wonder if the, having that additional year factored in. Um, because if you only have two years, the first year you're kind of adapting to a new system. You're almost guaranteed your stats are going to go down. Uh, I'd, I'd love to run numbers on it, but I, I'm, every transfer I've seen that goes somewhere else for one year, or at least in the first year, those numbers drop. Um, after that, you know, you're back in the system, in a system you know now for a second year. Maybe he'll get better. So he's got two additional years to do that. I mean, I, I could see him going somewhere like 
and maybe like a Wichita State since that's back close to home or something, and and maybe being good there. I, I if he goes to like, not that he's gonna go to Duke, but like North Carolina or something. Like I can't see him playing minutes at like that high of a level on a regular basis. He'll be recruited over and he'll end up transferring somewhere else. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll prove us all wrong. I'm not sure, but I'm kind of on the same page with you, Dan, as far as uh, Xavier in general. He just had such a good situation here. It, it was just, it's not even what happens when he leaves. It's what he could have been here. Um, you know, it, with Amari and the whole thing, I, they could have been a two headed monster for years to come. So, I mean, some guys just baffle me on the transfers. Like Ali Han was one too. I'm like, okay, you know, you're a third team, all CA player. You're at the right level. That's where you should be. Like, come back, <laughs> compete for the team you're on. Why, why go to you know Minnesota to play less minutes and score less points? Like, I don't, I don't know what that's really doing for your career, other than if you go to a team that's just going to guarantee you get in the tournament. I mean, I guess I get that if you want to go to and you know play, uh, play there. But um, yeah, T- uh, TJ too. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention TJ. TJ, I understood too, Dan. Like, I hated it. Uh, <laughs> I love TJ as a player, as a recruit. Um, but there was multiple times over the course of the season where I was kind of yelling for Spiker. I'm like, what, what are you doing with this guy? You're using him completely wrong. Um, and he just never tailored any part of the offense to TJ. Uh, and if we didn't go to the tournament last year, I would probably be uh, more bitter about that. Uh, but the tournament kind of eased that pain a little bit, a lot. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't fault the coaching staff when you get a trophy at the end. Yeah. Um, but having yeah. TJ this year would have been nice. I mean, that's a... Yeah, TJ and Amari would have been a hell of a one-two down low. Um, I guess I, I... I mean, I agree with you guys, you know, as far as with Bell. And I, I guess, um, you know, all the transfers that I had heard about so far, you know, I was like, okay, I expected. I agree with Cam. Um, but, yeah, the Bell one kind of, I, I mean, kind of concerned me. So I guess the, the question I would ask, you know, I, I know this... Uh, and this is me personally, but you see the questions about other programs too. Like, is this anything to worry about with the health of our program? Like, you know, because in every way that thought is, well, or is there a dynamic in the team that I have to the coaching staff or something? Should we read into this? Or again, is this, is this a somebody, you know, again, a kid getting maybe some advice from someone not maybe the best? I mean, what do you, what do you guys think as far as the health of our program? Should we worry about it at all? I don't think so. Uh, I'll apologize for the crazy cat in the background now. But um, the the I, I don't think so. I think um, you know I, I Xavier Bell. I, I blame the same thing. I think that is wrong with college basketball all over the place. Which is probably the wrong the wrong adults are in his ear, um, telling him and making making him some dreams and thoughts and whatever else that just may not line up with reality. Um, and and you know I, I just think he's being misdirected at this point. Uh, in all likelihood, but the uh, I, I don't think it's a health of a program thing. Like 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 uh, Bill said, we kind of knew Cam wasn't coming back this year. Like, this is not a surprise. Um, the other you know guys leaving, uh, obviously Malik Martin was out of eligibility. He couldn't he couldn't stay. Yurich um, going to medical medical school. He couldn't stay. Um, so um, there's nobody here that's really like leaving because they're upset with the program. It sounds like. I'm not getting that vibe off of anybody. Maybe uh, Ada, the freshman, I believe, is leaving. Um, but it sounds like maybe this is something that just didn't work out, kind of like Chuka Mecham. Um, you know, I don't know what happened with those guys, but maybe this just this wasn't the place for them. I think that's less about the program than it is about the individual, probably, because we've had plenty of people come in here and be fine. So I think it's two things. I think one is a lot of individual circumstances that are kind of coming at the same time with what was already a large kind of graduating class. And I use quotes that nobody can see because – um, you know, COVID year, COVID year is, as Bill alluded to it, it's got everything crazy. And so you have, you have kind of, and there's two elements to COVID year. One is the extra year of eligibility. Sure. But the other one is that I think a lot of schools were reluctant to make coaching changes last year um, because everything was kind of a little all over the place and, and nobody kind of, it was an unusual season. Um, so you're seeing, I think more coaches moving this year. So, and what I think you're going to see is that there's going to be a big scramble right now is a coaches move. Um, Frank Martin, you know, was released by South Carolina after getting them to the Final Four, which is bananas to me. Tells you what Power Five conference basketball is like. Uh, he just signed with UMass today, which is also bananas to me because it's such a step down from where he was. Now he he came from Northeastern and, and he's wife's from Massachusetts, and, and I get there's other stuff there. But um, you're going to see just a lot of movement in coaches, 
And I think you're going to see the transfer market, you know, usually goes in line with coaches. You put an extra year of eligibility in there. You know, Xavier Bell suddenly has three years left. Um, and you're going to see a lot more whispers in players' ear. And I, I just it's going to be crazy for now. You know, I, um, I've talked to a lot of people uh, in the last week or so um, trying to get caught up on this. And, and kind of nobody thinks anybody's like, how many kids have you seen sign and commit in the portal? Like, everybody's in the portal. You see anybody signing? Um so, so it's just chaos right now. I think it's disorganized chaos. I think thank you, NCAA. I think thank you, COVID, which is obviously something that we can't, you know, nobody could have figured was coming. But I, I just think that the landscape and NIL coming at the same time, so, so some guys are getting paid now, um, it's just made chaos, chaos. So, so I, I don't think it's health of a program. I think it's maybe health of college basketball, maybe. Um, but I don't think it's Drexel-specific. And if you look, I think there's at least five schools with two players in the portal throughout the CAA. I, I think almost all of them will be by the end of this. Um, I think every day this week, I feel like William Mary's, I, I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's just selective Twittering, but I think William Mary's lost a couple of guys and um, Delaware graduated half their class. We'll see who they bring back from a championship winning team. I think some of that still shakes out. Like it's, it's yeah, the whole league is going to be upside down. I think for me, bar none, the most important thing this offseason was keeping Amari Williams and developing Amari Williams, because you have uh, you need the guards, and, and um, we're gonna have to see how they fill it in. I'm trusting Mr. Martin here that we, 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 the incoming class is, is looking pretty good, and I'm hearing great things about Justin Moore from from multiple places. Um, he's gonna be playing on so, Saturday, by the way, in the state he's play on Saturday. Oh, can I prop? Nobody's. Why, why would I do this? I'm gonna do it anyway. Cardinal Cardinal O'Hara, girls basketball, is playing for the state championship right now in Hershey. Uh, so Delco's own, and uh, a number of dragons linked to that program on the women's they, side. They they won. They they played this afternoon. They and they annihilated Mechanicsburg last. Breaking week. news! I'm a, I'm an yeah. avid And then it looks like the game was brought and well closes in ten twelve points, and then they went on a run. And yeah, they're yeah. Um, but so so is there? We have a player tomorrow on Hershey. Yeah, it's um, it must be the six A game. Archb- then, yeah. yeah, it's Archbishop. Archbishop Wood versus um, Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic, yeah, it's a nice Roman Catholic's got a kid going to Hofstra, uh, Khalil Farmer, and Justin Moore is playing for Archbishop Wood. He's our best player. Okay. I may wind up there then now that you've told me that. I've been kind of debating whether to go because, well, JB, is, uh, he's in Plymouth White Marsh School District, the 6A girls. They, their, their girls team is in that game. So I may wind up there just to take a look at those guys. But. Um, but I, I, so I guess, I, you know, and, and, um, I'm, I'm trying not to jump to conclusions too, with the transfers too, and not just with our, with our program, but yeah, you know, like you said, college basketball in general, I guess, just trying to see, like you said, so much has changed and how is this all going to shake out? Is this just craziness more? Cause you know, so many things happening at once or, cause I, you know, I've heard a couple of people say, this is how things are going to be that, you know, we're not going to be able to keep a guy like Xavier Bell as soon as he shows flashes of being good, bam, he's gone. And I hate to, cause he, that's what I like about our level, you know, being able to learn guys and have them around for a while. I hate to see that leave. So I guess I don't want to jump to conclusions that those days are over, but, um, but we're just going to have to see how this all turns out. I mean, I, th- I think if they keep the transfer rule, there's, you don't have to sit out at all. It's this portal is going to continue to be gigantic. I mean, it was like 900 players last year. It'll probably be more this year. Um, it's going to be hard. I mean, you'll have guys that will stick around, I think. I don't think that's completely done. Um, but we're definitely going to lose players more often to this portal. And I think the only solution is to play the game. We have to raid that portal hard. I mean, that's every year you're going to have to pull impact players from that portal. I mean, look at what Hofstra did. I mean, they didn't, they didn't make the tournament, but they pulled you know, the player of the year out of the portal. They had uh, Zach Cook out of portal, and they had uh, that was at Darlinson Dubar. That guy's good too out of the portal. I think they had another guy. I think they had four or five players that they pulled out of the portal who were impact players. So you're gonna have to do that. Um, I mean, hopefully you develop some some players from freshman on, but if you don't pull impact players out of that transfer portal, it's gonna be rough. I think, unless the rules change. I think I think a the rules may change and and listen if we have the real fantasy of a P five breaking off that it's going to be a whole other thing I, I still don't think that's going to happen because of the NCAA tournament's too too valuable at a billion dollars a year but I think that 
you could have a you could have a thing where you know the ninety sixteen tournament could happen and, and you know uh, that that could be interesting. But so yeah, rule changes come probably. If we've seen anything from the NCAA the last couple of years, is that rule changes are coming and they're coming fast, and and, and potentially structural changes. Um, but I, I think the one thing I will I will temper your thoughts there a little bit with Bill is just the COVID year goes away, and that these guys having five years going to four to your point makes a big difference. So. I think that'll hamper the portal a little bit, uh, even with not having a city year, um, because you know you'll be transferring with only two years of eligibility rather than a three if you're coming out for a sophomore or something like that. Um, so I still think it's going to be bananas. I do think you're going to have to play the game. I'm with you on that. Um, you know, I, I've said it. I've turned around on transfers a little bit, but uh, I, I hopefully this is the peak mayhem uh, right That's now. Hope. Yeah. I mean, I just look at even even before the COVID, like we lost, you know, Isabel. We lost, uh, uh, like I said earlier, Ali Han. Like it's just like you're losing guys who, if you had a city year, they're not leaving. I mean, Isabel wouldn't have been able to. Ali Han, why would you go? I mean, there's with that without that deterrent, people will pick up and leave. And I I, I think I'm in agreement with you, Dan. I think hopefully this is. The peak because you got that extra that extra year really gives you almost like a full career somewhere else even if you played you know two years already so um, that that definitely incentivizes people to move even more so I hope you're right I mean I I don't like that we're losing high end players and then we're having to you know raid Monmouth and take Malik Martin off of them uh, in order to uh, you know make ourselves competitive. Um, well, we won't be rating Monmouth anymore because they'll be a oh, conference maker. Yeah, true. There, there's that. I mean, the one, um, one player I have seen commit in out of that portal, like Charleston got some D2 kid. Uh, they took like a high-scoring D2 shooting guard, I think, out of uh, out of the same school they took another D2 transfer out of last year. So, I mean, D2 is going to get rated lower levels. Everyone's just rating someone lower than them is all this is going to be. Um yeah, if you're not scared of Pat Kelsey time. after this year in this tournament, you you got something coming. Uh, Charleston's going to be going to be good. Um, there's some schools that you know are going to be good. The CA, I think, still projects really promising uh, in the next couple of years. A, I like some of these new schools: Stony Brook and Monmouth. They're both well coached. They're both fairly sane, good organizations as far as they've gotten facilities improvements. Leadership seems to be sound. Um, I know less about. Uh, Norfolk State, candidly, um, and we'll see see who else is coming in. I'm sure I'm missing six or seven or eighteen North, schools. North Carolina um, A&T, no. NC A&T. I know nothing about um, other than they've now moved conferences twice in like five years. So somebody's somebody's spending some money, and somebody's somebody's looking to move up around there, and they're they're clearly committed to basketball. So um, yeah, but you look at the coaches around the league, and 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 I, I said this. I think we said this when Brian Moe was on the show. Um, Really good coaches up and down. There's no bad coaches. There's no, there's no, there's no games where you're like, we could take a night off in this league right now. And um, as it becomes year to year for every school, you're going to see more and more of ups and downs and, and, and you know, programs swinging significantly one way to the other. But I, I think with this band of coaches that we have now, you have to expect it to get better year to year. And obviously no coaches moved yet. Um, I kind of was wondering about uh, – Elon Towson and um, what's the school I'm missing? Drexel. Um, so, you know, to see what was going on there. Um, my understanding is X-Bikers got one left, one year left on the deal. No announcements this week, but I think things have been going on behind the scenes. I would expect something uh, to be announced. Maybe they won't announce. Maybe they won't do a press release. Last, last time they extended him, they did. I kind of expect them to release something. So maybe next week watch or something. But he's obviously recruiting. He's obviously still here. And with one year left, they're not going to leave him on that deal. So I would accept, expect some kind of extension to be announced shortly, is what I would say there. That seems to be something that we probably should have led the show with. But, um, yeah, uh, a big deal I would, I would expect. It seems like our new athletic director, Masha Kelly, has at least um, hitched her wagon to Zach for, for at least a short term here. We'll see We'll see what the extension is. It looks like, or we probably won't, but we'll, we'll see what rumblings we can get. I don't really care about the financials. That's between him and his family. Uh, he's, he's a private school. If it's a public school, you know, you can find his old army contract and you can see his bonuses for beating Navy, which always cracks me up. But sorry, Nate. Um, but the, uh, um, you know, the this, this is a private school. His contract's private. I don't want him looking at my contract. So, um, you know, 
The number of years matters because it matters for recruiting. It matters for the program and the health of the program. But finances, I could care less about. So um, we'll see what we can find out as far as what what he got years wise, and and where our program is going. Um, real quick, just run down the roster for departures because we didn't do this on the way in. James Butler, my understanding uh, is that he's looking to play pro. Um, whenever he wants to use his business degree, James, I'm here for you, buddy. Um, Trey Brown, I, I don't think is back. I believe he's going to look to play another year at the D1 level. Um, TBD, I guess. Malik Martin, obviously, uh, well, he was a graduate, but he's out of eligibility. I'll tell you, Eric, med school. Ken Winter, we know, is in the portal. Train is deciding, but I think he's coming back. I don't know Luke House, actually. Technically, I think he's going to end up with a degree here. But uh, um, uh, he's got eligibility. Uh, Amari's back from the sounds of it. Um, X is transferred. Odin's back. Terrence Butler, I think, is back. And Ada, I think, is going to be in the portal, although we haven't seen an announcement yet. So, um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of all over the place. But to your point, Nate, I don't think most of those seem to be unique situations. I don't think it's a... And we'll end on this question, because um, if you had asked me who I thought would transfer um, you know, or go in the portal, I would have, you know, Amari and Odin would have been two of the people I, at least of that sophomore class. Do you think we're done hearing about people in the portal, or do you think there was anybody else who might decide to leave? Um, I think we're done hearing about people in the portal. I think um, so. So the way it works is my understanding is kind of once the season concludes that that following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the coaches, you know, have meetings with the players, kind of get their feedback, get a feeling for what, you know, if, if anybody's looking to do anything. And, and um, um, my understanding is kind of the folks who have, are in the portal uh, were understood to be going to the portal. Um, I don't necessarily, and I think there's some, some miscommunication with me potentially on Xavier, but, um, you know, those meetings, well, those meetings have been completed for a little bit now and I haven't heard about anybody else going yet is what I would tell you. Hope you're right. Yeah. I'm just curious if, if we thought there'd be any other movement. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if a coach moves or something, which is not outside the realm, you know, who, who knows? But um, it, I think we've got the ship that we've gotten to the credit of Zach Spiker. His staff has, has stuck with him for, for most of this time. So uh, I don't really anticipate a whole lot of changes. And I think he should be back. I, yeah, but I guess if they don't sign him to an extension, that pretty much says he's gone. And he's, So you almost think if they, if they don't want to sign him, he'd be gone now, right? Like why wake yeah. up and make him hang around for a year? So, I mean, I, I, I think he's – yeah, well, maybe you can't recruit at that point, but I, I think he the championship last year buys him at least another few years to to see if he can replicate that. And I think most people seem to agree with that. And not just the championship. I mean, I think he's leveled up this program from where it was when he came in. You know, that was a pretty pretty iffy locker room when he got here. Um, uh, you know, Miles Overton and, and some of the others, and, and um, you know, it was it was an interesting place that he took over. He did have to change the culture. He's successfully done that. Um, you know, you're coming off of a championship and a, and a fourth-place finish, which, you know, is not going to get anybody fired. You're doing it with a locker room culture that's at a higher level, at a program that feels like it's at a higher level. It moved up 100 spots in Ken Palm consistently for the last two years now. Big senior class. This is a big show-me year. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a two-year extension and he's got to prove it, um, you know, next year and, and, and the following. But, um, yeah, I don't think it would be tough, you know, I think, Bill, I think it was you and I were talking about it uh, offline. And, you know, I feel like the, the fan base would almost shrug if, uh, you know, if he, had, if, he was, if he had left on the new AD because, the new, you know, the new AD can do what they want to do and sometimes wants to have their own people and, and kind of would also shrug for an extension. There's nobody really vociferously fighting for either one, right? Um, I feel like after five years here, kind of the, I've been saying the jury's still out the whole time and I almost feel like it is. And, that doesn't feel fair to me for somebody who's won a championship. It almost feels a little bit like Cam, where we, we, we're giving him a hard time despite the fact that, you know, um, he's been so good for us. Uh, uh, he's clearly – Zach Spiker's clearly leveled up this program. In five yeah, years. that's true. you got to be fair about it. So, but yeah. Um, okay. All right. Don't mean to stop you, but St. Peter's up by two, coming on the 13-minute mark. So, I want to focus on the game. Bill so Martin any, just ran any, for the computer. Yeah. Any last thoughts, and then we'll figure out when we do this again. Anything else to throw out there? Um, hopefully a lot of guests coming. We, we will keep this up at some kind of modicum of every few weeks or something where releases will be coming. So yeah, stay tuned. But um, yeah, I think that's about it for me. 
Okay, we'll figure that out as we go. But yeah, let's not tie at thirty-seven. So good ball game. So we'll see you win. It's in Philly. Got to got to watch it. So oh wait, Dunk City was also in Philly. Got to see that fifteen teams in Philly. It's what we do. Rocky, <laughs> the town of Rocky, it's great. Yeah. All right. Nice to talk to you guys, and then we'll we'll see everybody shortly. So have a good night. All right, All right, have a good thanks, night. Guys.